On the Way Home is proudly supported by Ellis Dong Community Builders, a group formed within the Ellis Dong group of companies to assist those who wish to deliver affordable and sustainable housing by providing development management services and leveraging Ellis Dong's turnkey cradle-to-grave project capabilities. We incorporate all that a world-leading development, construction, and building services company has to offer to provide innovative and sustainable developments that connect and energize communities. Our offering is not simply a development and construction solution. It's a holistic and comprehensive approach that ensures the delivery of assets that communities can be proud of. To learn more, please visit www.communitybuilders.ellisdon.com. We at On The Way Home would like to acknowledge the original stewards of whose lands this podcast is recorded on. In York Region, we recognize we're on the traditional territories of the Wendat, the Haudenosaunee, and the Anishinaabe peoples, and that this is the treaty lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit. And in Vancouver, we acknowledge that we are on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, the Musqueam, Squahomish, and Tsleil-Waututh, whose presence on these lands continue to this day. Welcome to another episode of On The Way Home. I am one of your hosts, Michael Braithwaite from Blue Door. And as always, I'm joined by the wonderful and talented Stefania. Stefania, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing today? You know what? I'm good. We are seeing the light at the end of this very, mm-hmm. very long and twisting tunnel. Yeah. Um, in Ontario, we've got some good news around um, partial reopening. So I think that's giving people hope, uh, which is amazing. How about on the West Coast? Yeah, yesterday in BC, well, I guess I'm dating myself, but we uh, just announced like a phased plan. So restaurants opened up again with social distancing, of course, Uh, we can have small gatherings of five people. So it's definitely super encouraging. I think like at this point, 60% of BC is vaccinated. So we're just up and away, like they've done a really good job of going into hotspots, like, and capturing folks um, and Indigenous communities, as well as uh, people who are a little bit disenfranchised like in the downtown east side so yeah it's very exciting and and did i not hear uh, a rumor around someone pushing for a a national hug day (laughs) oh did you i and bc BC, i think you're um head of uh whoever is the head (laughs) of health there was saying wouldn't Mm. it be great to have a day for hugging people who want to be hugged after all this time so you heard it here first well you did yeah (laughs) absolutely yeah Yeah, that's interesting I feel like I'm like consent to a hug day you know I think I'm a little bit still apprehensive (laughs) but but like you know maybe we can finally high five again yeah I've I've got to I've got to be careful I've got that kind of natural reaction to uh, straight arm people we try and hug you with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just it's you know I, I not on purpose it just happens it just happens I know you're really busy at uh, CAH lots going yeah. on can, anything you can share Yes, we are, you know, plugging away at our vote housing campaign right now. We're recruiting volunteers, endorsers, folks who want to get involved and help us basically run a political campaign. But instead of voting for a party, you are voting for housing and wanting to see uh, our six policy points reflected in the platforms of our federal parties that will basically bring an end to homelessness and the housing affordability crisis. So yeah, votehousing.ca, check it out. Yeah, that's something we all can get behind, I would hope, on this podcast. And speaking of housing and innovation, we have a mm. wonderful guest today that I'd love to tell you more about. 
So I, I have with us today, Nick Gafusha, and Nick is from Elliston. So let me tell you a little bit about Nick and don't hold this against him. I'm kidding, of course. Uh, Nick is a lawyer and vice president of affordable housing with Elliston Capital, where he provides leadership to Elliston's dedicated national affording ho affordable housing team, namely Elliston's community builders. Very new too. Uh, Nick is an experienced project development professional, having led the commercial and legal aspects of a multitude of infrastructure and real estate transactions across the country. As a former project director with Elliston Capital, Nick was responsible for leading Elliston's bids on Canadian infrastructure projects across all asset classes. Prior to joining Elliston, Nick practiced in the banking and finance group of a large Canadian international law firm. Prior to practicing law, Nick was a commercial lender with a large Canadian bank. But here's what I'm most excited about. Um, I shouldn't be, but I am. Here's another bit. It's super cool. Nick is also a musician uh, who toured the country for years with his band. And, and you might say, well, how is that relevant? When you tour the country with a band and you go across Canada, usually it is not, uh, you're not touring on a private jet, you're touring on a bus or in a van, and you, you get a unique perspective of the country. So I think uh, that has helped him probably shape who he is today. Uh, Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Michael. Thank you, Stefani. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. It's uh, so interested to start to dig into some of the things that you're a part of. Um, and we're always really interested to learn about our guests and their journey into this work. So can you walk us through yours? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've been in, uh, in my professional career um, after I left the bank, I went to law school um, lar largely in the infrastructure and development space uh, as a, either a practicing lawyer uh, or on the on the business side, and and just by way of background, I've made two interesting career choices. I went from the firm to Elliston, back to the firm, back to Elliston. Uh, so I've uh, I've had a weird way of showing loyalty. Uh, it's kind of bifurcated, but nonetheless, um, I got a lot of different uh, well-rounded uh, experiences on uh, the finance and development side of uh, of real estate and infrastructure development. Um, and being part of Ellis Dawn specifically has been quite meaningful to me because the company has changed in, in a lot of the ways that aligned with how my career was changing. Um, so I was squarely in the infrastructure development uh, space uh, for a good five or six years, um, private practice and with Ellis Dawn on their international and P3 projects. And, um, and that pipeline and that business space was starting to stabilize quite a bit. Um, and Elliston was really asking how, how can we reinvent ourselves, particularly with respect to housing and with a good uh, focus on affordable housing. And my little group, uh, Elliston Community Builders, which is uh, it's a relatively new group. We, we just started about um, six, six, six or eight months ago, maybe. We were doing a lot of work before that, but you know, we really formed as a team uh, officially that, at that time. We were starting to notice that there are a couple of things that LS Don could contribute to the market. One is scale capacity um, uh, to deliver um, more scalable projects, uh, a more streamlined process, because as we all know, the supply uh, challenges across Canada um, are steep. And um, we felt that LS Don was in a unique position the way that we're situated across Canada and with our different area offices and with our centers of excellence in, uh, in Mississauga, we could really address the the, those challenges in, in a unique way. Um, and the infrastructure perspective became very interesting because we were noticing that there, there's, there's a few different, uh, there's a few similarities as between infrastructure and affordable housing development. One, 
um, is the uh, transparency um, and the involvement of, of government uh, with taxpayer funds. And it comes with a high level of accountability um, that we would um, have to uh, be responsible for in a hospital project, for instance. Um, institutional clients, governments, um, nonprofit organizations with um, highly stringent um, procurement processes, another similarity. But most importantly for us, and I think this is what our team recognized, uh, I think it's our most important observation, is the development of critical assets um, that are integrated in, into a community with specific, specific uh, social outcomes. Um, so you'll see this in an infrastructure project with hospital and the community benefits and the way that we uh, engage community stakeholders in, in getting it right. Uh, we want to take all these different kind of mini disciplines, uh, what we call them, uh, and, and that, that was the formation of Elliston Community Builders. Um, so that's, that's the journey um, along the way in the most you know, recent year or two, but, uh, but that's the background of, 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 of my experience in this space and, and our uh, team as a whole. Now, before we get too far into this interview, I, I want to go back to the band thing. Uh, Nick, what, what decade was this and did you support a mullet? Well, I, I have a mullet right now uh, because <laughs> I don't have a barber open within 50 kilometers uh, radius from my house. Um, but yeah, so, okay. So, um, you know, growing up, I grew up in Brantford, Ontario. <clears throat> there was actually a pretty good music uh, community there. Um, and I graduated from high school in 1997. Uh, uh, before that, I played in a lot of high school bands. The way I got into music actually was in Sea Cadets. I was in a marching band and I used to go to summer camps and I got my own snare drum. And uh, inevitably as a teenager, when you get your own snare drum, you'll find any way to make a drum kit around it. And that's what I did and started playing with uh, high school bands. And then uh, after uh, I graduated, I, I went to University of Ottawa, but the summer before I met up with some guys, fairly older than me. They were already finished university um, at that time, most of them. And we put together this band. It was called Joe Mama. And uh, we had a really fun summer. Uh, it was kind of a silly band. We really liked Fish and Grateful Dead at the time. So just it was kind of like a jam band. But uh, somehow we started that summer uh, or ended the summer with getting gigs at like Horseshoe Tavern and Lee's Palace and all these different Elma Combo. And it just happened really quick. And uh, when I went to uh, school for my first semester, uh, we actually got offered a, a touring contract to do a bunch of like like the festival circuit in like upstate New York and stuff like that. Uh, so I called my parents and I said, I'm quitting university. And uh, my dad was <laughs> really happy. <laughs> he's like, I knew you, my dad's cool. He was, uh, he's like, yeah, I knew you're gonna do that. And you hear my mom in the background, not so happy. Um, and then we just went touring and we went across Canada as much as we could. We went, you know, everywhere from Victoria to, to Halifax. Um, so I got to see it. So that was in the early two thousands. And, uh, so that was, that was my main band. And then, um, fast forward, ended up joining a group. I did some sessions with, them. uh, Len, they had that hit steal my sunshine, which I had nothing to do with, but I toured that, uh, song with them. So I kind of joined them as a first as a studio uh, musician, and then we did an album. I think it was back in 2004, Diary of the Madman, and we got dropped, uh, or they got dropped uh, from the label. Um, and then I, I grew up pretty quickly after that. I joined the bank and then got went to law school. So um, yeah, it was a good 15 year run for me, actually, if you count the high school years. Um, but the experience was amazing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I didn't regret a day of it. I got, I got to see all of Canada almost, uh, you know, uh, from Fort McMurray, Truro, 
like all these little places, you know, like the big, the big gigs were cool, but the, the whole experience of just traveling, feeling how big Canada is, um, you really feel it in, in a van with stuff with seven guys, you know, and that's how we lived uh, for, for, for a few years, actually. So, um, yeah, it, it was pretty cool. I can imagine that uh, van smelled pretty nice. Yeah, uh, I don't miss that. <laughs> yeah, when that, when that big uh, conversion door opened, uh, that was uh, quite a relief. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank, thanks for sharing. And hey, there's nothing wrong with a COVID mullet. I'm going to bring us back to uh, some of the questions I actually have. But it's interesting. I, I think it does like seeing Canada uh, like that gives you a different view of things and it'll probably influence. Uh, can influence the work you do now, but tell us about, for those who don't know about Ellis Don, who are they and what do they do? Yep, so Ellis Don is a construction services company. Uh, they started in London, Ontario back in the 50s um, with obviously humble beginnings. They started working on a lot of the schools there. And over the years, they became one of Canada's biggest construction companies. Um, so at its core general contractor, Construction um, is it, its core service, but it's really evolved um, since the early 2000s with its involvement in P3 projects infrastructure um, and its expansion to the Middle East, um, where it's evolved from just a construction general contractor to um, <clears throat> a myriad of, of services um, that uh, we can provide from project inception to uh, the end of an asset's life cycle. Uh, we refer to that uh, as the cradle to grave perspective. Um, we are, I, I don't like to venture out into numbers because it changes so much because um, with acquisitions, I think we're around a 5,000 employee level um, with a, mar give me a good margin of error. Um, if you don't mind, I'm, I'm not totally uh, sure. Um, and, uh, and it's a hundred percent employee owned, um, which really creates a fantastic culture within the company. There's a lot of accountability, responsibility and enthusiasm. Um, that is uh, cultivated um, by that ownership structure. Um, so, so very simply, we do everything. We, um, we construct, we advise, we have financial advisory, <clears throat> we can provide equipment, um, and we have specialist groups like sustainability, construction sciences, um, and the like. Um, yeah, so that's, that's Ellis Don. We build everything um, from LRT to bridges to um, stadiums to homes um, and provide services in support of that. Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, provides high-quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart, Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project, or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. Well, that's awesome. And I'm sorry, I feel like we just let it go, the fact that you toured with Len um, in the, when they were so big that summer. That was a huge song. Um, I remember it very, very well. And also being shocked that they were brother and sister. Uh, but that was, yeah, they were huge. They were huge at that time. So that's super yeah. cool. Well, I didn't do the, uh, I did the, the tours <laughs> after they became, like, it was a couple years after. Yeah. After this, my Sunshine album. Still so. recognizable, though. Like, they oh, yeah. still have been. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. They're really yeah. cool people. It was just a really fun experience to work with them. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Um, sorry, I just, I couldn't let that pass without saying anything. Um, <laughs> acting like that was a completely normal thing to hear. Um, but uh, yeah, so sorry to bring it back to the community builders piece, um, because that's, that just sounds really cool. Um, I'm just curious, like, um, who is Elliston Community Builders looking to work with um, to deliver that affordable housing piece? Yeah, for sure. Um, maybe it's uh, just by way of background what our what our core offering is because I think it's important. Um, we we're within Elliston Capital, which is the development um, division of Elliston, um, and it's responsible for equity investment and the development services um, on a, on a myriad of projects. Um, Elliston Community Builders, um, our core offering um, is in the first instance on a project is development consultancy services. Um, at this point right now, we're not <clears throat> that type of developer making direct investments into projects. And, and here's why that's important. Um, because when we're looking at this, we, we were kind of like kind of tripping over ourselves trying to respond to RFPs and getting involved in different projects. And um, that that private developer approach where you know you try to mix in as much market rent as possible with for, where perhaps you're compromising the affordability piece um we weren't working well with that i don't I, we didn't want to be that so now that we have a model where uh, we provide services in the front end into construction we have um an ability to to try to optimize the affordable the affordable component on a project uh, we're trying to get 100% affordable as much as possible if it's appropriate for a specific project. So the reason why that's important for your question is because I think that really aligns, um, first of all, I'm going to say that I'm going to use the term align with the challenge, um, how we formed our offering, which is national, big, um, you know, address as much as we can. But it really aligns with uh, mandates of nonprofit organizations and municipalities. So those are the... Um, the two kind of groups, um, two target clients that we want to work with because the optimization of affordability um, and sustainability really aligns with um, a lot of the NPOs that we're working with and the municipalities that need to develop high quality, sustainable, affordable housing stock. So a little less on the uh, private developer side, more, more NPO um, and municipalities. Nick, I love what you're saying about 100% affordable uh, quite often we get asked affordable to who, um, but let's talk about more of how that's going to work. So uh, what would be community builders role in creating affordable housing? So we, our core offering is uh, pre-development services. So as early as possible, we want to work with the NPO uh, to crystallize, distill um, the appropriate housing mandate. So I'll give you an example. We're, we're working really uh, well with um uh, East Kiwanis Community Homes and uh, Victoria Park on a, on a project in Hamilton. And we got involved right at the start, even before the, uh, the city transacted the land. Um, and one of the biggest um, challenges we had, or I guess, I guess uh, you know, work um, deliverable is developing a housing mandate with two very large NPOs that have complementary housing mandates. But, you know, there was a lot of reconfiguring, figuring out how to get the proper mix of family homes versus single units and because the different the two different MPOs had different housing mandates and what they wanted to achieve right um, and then of course with that with, because we're vertically integrated which just means that we have um, services that address all parts of the project but what we do is we bring all of Elliston's expertise at the front end so you're having at the same time you're talking about housing mandate you're talking about environmental efficiency accessibility um, operations construction uh, constructability all in the same feedback loop. 
So Elliston Community Builders specifically, all, you know, it is development consultancy services, but it is quarterbacking and using every facet of Elliston to ensure that you're, get, you're, you're coming up with the right solution on a day-to-day -day basis in the very, very early stages. So that you're, you're not running into obstacles because you have to unpackage something where it didn't work for an NPO in the front end. Um, um, so that's, that's where we get engaged. Now that said, uh, we, we can, we can, uh, you know, find a point of engagement at any point in the project because Elliston, you know, has that cradle to grave kind of perspective, but our, our ideal, um, you know, way to go about it is to be there from the start. Yeah. You know, it's why I worked for the YMCA for, for years and we always talk, we didn't say cradle to grave. We always said womb to tomb. We wanted to work with people, right. From the time they were born, um, yeah. to the end. So feel free to borrow that if, if you want. Um, so is the hope for community builders to operate in every part of Canada or will it target specific regions? Yeah, um, I'll go back to my phrase aligned with the challenge, which is, uh, you know, we wanted to frame what Canada's affordable housing challenges are at this moment and step up to that. So we have offices across Canada um, and we can also build in the far north. Um, so our, um, our mandate and our mission is to uh, address affordable housing challenges in all, any community um, across Canada. Um, transparently, Ellis Dawn has always built big. Um, so one of our um, primary objectives over the next couple of years is, uh, you know, reconfiguring Ellis Dawn's capacity to get into the smaller communities uh, and especially those that have logistical um, challenges like uh, Nunavut or, you know, the territories. Um, otherwise, whether it's through barge or rail. So, um, you know, we want to we also want to be the problem solvers for um, transportation and logistics um, in Canada. So it's a pretty ambitious mandate. Uh, we want to we want to build across Canada as much as we can. And so when you're talking about building across Canada, I think it would just be you know interesting to talk about what types of housing community builders is looking to focus uh, focus in on. So are you guys considering you know like energy savings or you know efficient builds? Because I know sometimes that also feeds into that affordability piece as well. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess uh, one one important um, detail that I'll add uh, or to to contribute to that question is that we just finished our affordable housing base design. So it's uh, fully funded uh, internally, that there is no governmental support. Uh, we came up with uh, a base design, essentially, it can build, be built modular or conventionally. Um, and it has three tiers of, well, it's, I would say tiers, I would say three options of environmental efficiency. So in all cases, it will meet um, CMHC's minimum requirements. Uh, it can be built to passive house, um, or it can be built to net zero carbon. Uh, and that's embedded carbon. So those are the primary options that our clients have and of course we can tailor that however we uh however the client directs uh, another important piece of this is uh accessibility is for full universal design um so we wanted to make sure that we had a starting point that really was an accelerant in some respects but still had the optionality uh so that could so it would fit any client's community um properly right so I think that's our contribution in there. So that said, moving into what we want to build, we're primarily looking at rental right now, um, a little bit of townhomes, um, but I think that's more, that's just more of like the opportunities that have come up so far. Uh, we've been lucky to have real projects at the very inception of our group, um, as opposed to working academically in a vacuum and trying to find opportunities the other way. 
uh, so rental projects, larger ones. Um, the one in Caledon, uh, sorry, in Hamilton, um, that's that's probably between, it'll be between 250 and 300 units, maybe. I don't. We're, we're talking about the density right now, so we don't know where that's going to go. But um, so larger projects, because that's really where you know where Ellis Don can can do well and meet the tight construction schedules and and leverage its uh, supply chain. Um, but that said, uh, I really want to start figuring out how to get um, into smaller communities with the smaller builds, you know, not not shy away from the eight to 10 unit builds as much as we and do that as with as much enthusiasm as uh, as a larger rental building. So uh, yeah, yeah, but, uh, you could tell it's a work in progress to figure out where it's because Canada is like to, to build across Canada to have one you know, uh, large kind of vision. Um, it, it takes a little bit of uh, market sounding and, and a few months of experience to get that crystallized. So hopefully that answers your question somewhat. Yeah, Nick, and you're talking about the here and now, um, and there's a lot of uh, still things to figure out and push forward, but let's look into the future. The pandemic is over. People are hugging once again. Um, people are allowed to go out to their favorite restaurants. We're five to 10 years down the road. What are your hopes for the future for community builders? What does it look like five to 10 years from now? Sure, yeah. Um, the, the one thing we're really focusing on that that will, you know, that really supports our long-term plans is the process. You know, I talked about the base design, that's the product. Uh, the process that we're working with uh, and it's painstaking is what is the best way to uh, engage a community to, to get it right? And, and our first foray into this kind of philosophy uh, is affordable housing. Long-term goal, though, is looking at assets, uh, not just affordable housing, perhaps student residences, perhaps other types of uh, social um, buildings that <clears throat> takes the thoughtfulness and sensitivity that we believe is required uh, in, a, in building affordable housing and kind of taking that philosophy a little bit bigger. Um, um, so you have the interconnectivity that we think is really important when we build uh, in a community. Um, in terms of the five to 10, um, again, aligned with the challenge, we uh, recognize the federal government's ambitions to um, find safe and affordable housing for every person in Canada by 2030. Um, so we kind of align our strategy that way um, because I think that you know our federal partners are, um, are incredibly important in driving this process and with the Canadian view, uh, national view, uh, we'd like to align with that. And to tell you the truth, in 10 years, if we're successful with the 2030 um, objective, um, we're winding down into uh, a stabilized period where, you know, it's not a crisis anymore. Um, and we're one of the most recognized and reputable um, residential builders um, in Canada. Um, and to stabilize the housing supply stock, uh, we want to be a part of that. And I think we, I think we have, uh, we're uniquely positioned to do that um, as a large private sector entity. Um, so building partnerships that way that supports that you know, initial piece of, of addressing this crisis and then the second phase, which would be stabilizing and maintaining. Amazing, amazing goals and very exciting for uh, affordability in housing across Canada. So if I'm listening to this podcast and I'm thinking and I'm, I've got affordable housing in my mind, my organization or my community, where can I go to find out more on the work that you're doing to engage uh, Elliston Community Builders? Yeah, so our website is communitybuilders.elliston.com. Um, and there you'll find um, <clears throat> um, every, not everything about us. It's, it's a relatively new website, but uh, all of our project references, our suite of services, um, our contact information, and, uh, and, and just an outline of the team. 
um, if you if you email um, at the front page there, there's the uh, uh, the customer not customer. I wouldn't I don't want to say that. Um, our contact uh, general contact uh, email. If you email me there, uh, we have a fantastic uh, new offering booklet um, that goes over our suite of services in, in a, a bit more detail, um, and it also um, uh, outlines our base design uh, that we just uh, finished. Um, so we've been sharing that quite a bit. Um, so that just requires an email for to request that, and uh, hopefully uh, you like it, and we can continue conversations from there. Well, that sounds so great. Nick, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Absolutely. It was an absolute pleasure to, to be here. Most importantly, Nick, where can people go? Uh, is it YouTube or other places to go to see uh, footage <laughs> of you with uh, with Len or, or your other band? Yeah, where do we get to see Len? <laughs> oh, um, I, I swear, if I get a call from a record label after this, <laughs> actually, that'd be kind of cool. Um, you know, they, if you want to, okay, fine. Um, <laughs> if you want to see, I, I did a video with uh, with Len. It's called a brother sister thing. Uh, it was actually cool. We did it in uh, George Chavello's old boxing ring, and uh, and it was the same referee when George fought Muhammad Ali. Um, oh, wow. oh wow! So brother sister thing, Len. You'll see myself and my my guitar player, who was from the same band that I was originally in, that I talked about, John. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that. Uh, but to tell you the truth, I don't want to date myself too much. But <laughs> the, the content generation uh, was like, that was pretty early 2000s when I was doing mm -hmm. all this stuff. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people were not recording themselves as they do now every second of their life. So, mm. but that's yeah. there. Um, <laughs> well, I know what I'm doing after this podcast. Yeah, sorry. I'm Googling it right now. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. But no, and so was this. I really appreciate it. Um, this great podcast. It was great to get to know you guys. And thank you. Thank you, Nick. Yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. Wow, that was a lot of fun. And you know what? It, it's, it's so interesting to see um, big builders. I mean, some of the biggest in Canada, like Elliston, saying, hey, you know, let's focus on affordability. Let's do this. We can do this on a grand scale. It needs to be done on a grand scale. Let's mm -hmm. step, let's step up and make this happen. Um, so very exciting stuff. Yeah, no, he was a great guest and it was really interesting to learn about community builders. And I'm always excited when I hear passive house, it's like, you know, an energy efficiency build that is like surprisingly not incredibly well known, even though I feel like it's been around for so long now. And it's, it's absolutely fascinating. And if I could build a house, it would 100% be a passive house, well, if I could afford that. But yeah, little, little known fact, little known fact that the CEO of passive house is Chris Ballard, who used to be Minister of Housing and once was a guest on Out of the Blue, the predecessor Amazing. to this podcast. So we are we are big fans. We hope to have Chris back on to talk, talk about Passive House and his work there soon. Amazing. Well, that's so great. And I'm just going to like, you know, work really hard this week. And I just hope, Michael, that you don't steal my sunshine. <laughs> I, I was waiting for you the You can see it in my face, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't We never even think of it. Thanks so much for joining us on another great episode of On the Way Home. Bye for now. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. 
and we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.